The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome here into this episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. This is Brian Pyatt, your host, and want to thank you so much for being here. We are com- or, uh, continuing our, our conversation in this episode around perinatal mental health. Um, a few weeks ago, I put out an episode from Chelsea or with Chelsea Elker, who is a, a mother who shared her experience with perinatal OCD. And, and this is kind of part two of this, this conversation or this focus around perinatal mental health. Uh, This week, we are talking to Lisa Cross. Lisa is a perinatal therapist at Prairie Care here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Lisa also uh, co-directed for five years, for about five years, um, the uh, pregnancy organization called Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota. They are a statewide organization for perinatal mental health and... Lisa, in this episode, talks about a number of things, and, and we start with talking about her, her mental health story and her experience with perinatal OCD after the birth of her child, and kind of open up into a more broad conversation just around perinatal mental health. And then um, we also, I, I asked some, some of you on social media if you had any questions for her before I recorded this episode. And I want to thank you all, those of you who responded to that. Lisa answers a couple of those questions here in this episode as well. So I hope that you find that helpful. This episode, I just want to give you a heads up, has some some pretty real talk about intrusive thoughts, um, and which, as we all know um, from previous episodes, and if you have experience, you know, learning about these things, those things can can be a, a little bit intense sometimes to hear. So I just want to give you a heads up on that. So grateful. For, for Lisa being willing to be so open. It is so, so important. And also just want to um, give everybody a heads up on that, that, uh, that that is a part of the episode. So let's go ahead and begin. I, I hope that you find this helpful. I obviously don't know from firsthand experience, but um, from what I hear, uh, becoming a new mom, being pregnant can be can be quite the journey and and really really important that we're we're having conversations around mental health to help you feel supported out there. So here is my conversation with Lisa Cross. Lisa, I just want to thank you so much for 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 taking some time to to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I know that um 
we're going to get into all the things that you do here at Prairie Care, your work as a, a perinatal therapist, kind of um, talking about perinatal mental health in general. Um, I know you've you've been open. Um, it sounds like about your own personal experience when it comes to postpartum OCD. Um, I know that's like a really big question to be like, tell me your story. That's hard to do in like a, a short amount of time. But is is there um, is there anything in particular that you're comfortable sharing about what that experience looked like for you? Yeah, it, at the time I was a therapist, so it really threw me for a loop that I would yeah. struggle myself. So I was kind of caught off guard a little bit by it. Um, my approach to everything challenging is always through humor. So I think that during my pregnancy, when I started to have intrusive thoughts and started to feel a great deal of anxiety and fear mm-hmm. over what motherhood was going to be, whether I would be good at it, um, I approached it with humor with my medical providers and they threw humor right back at me. And I don't think that they necessarily understood the severity of what I was bringing to the table Mm. because of me covering it up with humor. Um, And I personally do a really good job of covering up whenever I'm suffering or struggling as well. So I call it like putting on a really good mask. And I think I just wore that mask and I rocked it really, really good (laughs) during that time. So nobody really quite understood exactly how difficult of an experience internally I was going through. Yeah. Um, So it, you know, through the course of pregnancy, it was fears of, will I be a good mom? Will my daughter like me as a person? Um, Do I even know what I'm doing? Um, I didn't feel like anybody was coming to the table with a good reference for me of how to do this job Mm -hmm. that I was taking so significantly. And so I handled it through a lot of fear of like, what if I'm not good at it? What if I don't do it well enough? I was terrified of labor and delivery. Nobody was really coming to the table, giving me a good understanding of what it was like to actually get a child out of you. And so that was really fearful to me as well. Um, And then I feel like the OCD itself actually really just came full force immediately following birth. Mm. And I started having thoughts that were really scary, that felt out of character with my morals and values and the core of who I felt like I was as a person. And I started questioning myself of like, are you mentally stable enough to be able to be a mother? Yeah. And then I started having escapism fantasies of the world is a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Everybody here is dangerous. I'm just going to take this baby and run. Mm. And I can probably figure it out on my own easier without the world being a part of it. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled out of control from that point. Yeah. Did you talk to people about what you were going through? Um, well, this was 17 years ago. So OCD, yeah. postpartum OCD was not even a topic of conversation in mainstream yeah. media. And so everything that I was hearing was postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis. Yep. And the psychosis piece scared me. And that seemed more in alignment with what I was experiencing. Mm. So I started really fearing that I was psychotic. And that made me want to cover it up even more and hide it because I feared then that people would take her away from me. Um, And 
the postpartum depression piece, I kept getting screened and asked, like, are you struggling with depression? Are you feeling depressed? But it was anxiety, so I wasn't depressed at all. Yeah. Um, that came later um, as I continued to suffer and suffer. Then depression started to become a part mm -hmm. of that. Um, but there wasn't a good screening tool for my personal experience that I was going through. Yeah. So when I would go to try and seek help, nobody really quite understood exactly what I was experiencing and nobody really knew how to help me. Yeah. So I had a couple of therapists that just kind of threw their hands up in the air and said, well, I think maybe you just should work on your family of origin issues. Mm. Um, and that made a little bit of sense to me, but it didn't align with like, but I'm having thoughts that are really scary and horrific and I need skills on how to shut those down and stop them. Yeah. And I just wasn't getting that. So I started doing some research on my own. I had found a couple of therapists that were out there in the field kind of working in postpartum depression and psychosis mm -hmm. and had reached out to them and just asked them for some consultation and started piecing things together as a therapist myself and kind of figured out how to treat myself. Yeah. Not the best way to go about this. Yep. Um, and I do feel like I still have some lingering effects today because of the fact that I didn't actually get the appropriate help. Mm -hmm. um, but I did create some skills that worked really well for me mm -hmm. um, that got me through it and got me on the road to recovery. And I use some of those skills in my practice today with moms. Yeah. Um, were, there, were there certain thoughts that were particularly intense during during that time, of course, to the extent that you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, it, immediately following birth, I would have just horrific graphic, not just a thought, but an image of it happened, like an image of me doing it as well. Yeah. So it was like this horror movie that was playing in my yes. mind. Yeah. Um, there was a moment after I gave birth that they all walked away with the baby. And that was the first moment that I thought the world is going to take this child away from me. Mm -hmm. And I just felt such an intense desire to protect her and keep her safe. Mm -hmm. And when everyone was walking away with her, it felt like abandonment of me, mm -hmm. but also the taking away of my baby as well. Mm -hmm. And I went into a fit of rage, internally raging. Nobody mm -hmm. knew it externally, but internally I just had this rage and... Um, I had kind of turned my head to the side and there's a table um, full of scalpels mm -hmm. and I had a thought of like, I'm going to kill everyone in this room mm -hmm. and I'm going to take this baby and run off. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, what kind of a mother would think something like that? What is wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. And in that moment, I just felt like you can never tell a single soul that you just had this thought and this image because they will lock you up and you'll never see this child ever again. Yeah. And so that catapulted me into this process of like protection, protection, protection. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I know these things can be, I would imagine, very hard to talk about and yet deeply, deeply important because there's um, a lot of people out there that are struggling with these things in silence. Um, did, did you, how long 
did it take for you to eventually talk about that with someone or did you did you ever talk did you ever kind of outwardly express hey this is what's going on for me yeah I shared it with my OB and I didn't necessarily tell her the specific thoughts because I was terrified that if I told her the exact thought she would want to lock me up and so I basically just told her that I'm just having all these thoughts in my head of something bad happening to her Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like I'm capable of protecting her. Yeah. And she was really wonderful. She basically said, I don't know. I don't understand this. I don't know a lot about it, Mm -hmm. but between you and I, we can figure this out. And so she was really my kind of go-to person. I never fully disclosed to her the extent to what those thoughts and images were. Yeah. Um, that moment in the hospital, I had decided no one will ever know this. And it wasn't until years later that I finally started to kind of open up to people and say, hey, here, here's actually what I went through and here's the actual thoughts that I had. Yeah. Um, but it just, it never really felt safe because it just didn't align with my character. Yep. And so that did not make sense to me of like, how can somebody have a thought and an image of something that does not align with who they are as a person. Mm. And that was the complexity of the whole thing for me. And this was your first child? Yes. Okay. And you and had you ever had an experience like that of experiencing these kind of intrusive thoughts? Um, I had always been an anxious type of person. Okay. Yep. Um, I had always been kind of an obsessive, kind of compulsive type of kid. Yep. Um, I liked my blankets folded in a certain way. Um, I liked my world to be in a certain way. So reflecting back on it, I do know that I think the blueprint for all of that was probably there, but mm. nobody had ever trained me into knowing that. Yeah. I wish that I would have known that because I think I probably could have prevented it from happening had I known that there's like a blueprint to mental health. Um, So now in the work that I do with moms, I try and figure out what is your blueprint and how can we use that to help us? Yeah. It's so incredible. You were a therapist at the time. Yeah. Of this going on. Um, Were you working in perinatal mental health at that point? No, I was doing eating disorder treatment at that point. Um, I'd always thought that that's where I wanted to be. Um, But after going through the experience that I went through and the struggles that I went through to get the help that I needed, I was having a conversation with a friend one day and after I had fully recovered and I said, I just don't even know what to do with all of this. Like I have this really horrific experience that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I know that other women go through it as well, but I don't know what to do with it. Mm. Where, where do I go with it from here? And she's like, well, why don't you treat other women? You know so much about it now. Why don't you do that? And I'm like, hmm. hmm. Yeah. There's an idea. I, I could probably do that. And so ironically a week later, I got an email from a psychologist here in the Twin Cities who was putting a call out to other therapists to come and sit at a coffee shop on the campus of St. Thomas University and talk about creating a statewide organization for perinatal mental health. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, I showed up to that. And that was the beginning of Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota. So here you are now at, at Prairie Care, um, working as a, a perinatal therapist, working with moms. 
Um, can you describe to me or just kind of talk, talk to me about the work that, that you do here now? What, what, are you, what are you offering to, to moms? We have two caveats to our program, our perinatal program here at Prairie Care. We have a clinic, an outpatient clinic, where I do individual and family therapy with um, moms and families going through perinatal mental health. And then we also have psychiatry as part of that clinic as well, where they can meet with a psychiatrist individually. Um, And then we have the perinatal intensive outpatient program that we call IOP. Um, And that is a group program where moms will come for five days a week, or no, four days a week. Moms come for four days a week. Um, They are in the program for three hours out of the day. And we teach them how to process through the experience that they're going through, Mm -hmm. how to be accepting and willing to have support as they go through that process. And then we educate them on the experience that they're going through and specific skills that they can utilize to help them navigate their way through it and ultimately get to recovery. So we built that program based on the concepts of hope, healing, and empowerment. And so the principles are is that they come to us with hope to recover. Yeah. We teach them how to heal. And then we discharge them from the program feeling empowered over their mental health and their self-worth and self-care. Beautiful. And what are the, what are the, the types of things that you tend to see moms, expecting moms experiencing when they're coming to you and in need of help? We tend to see, you know, they show up with a lot of devastation that society tells us that having a baby is supposed to be this really amazing, wonderful experience. And we don't know anything about the complexities involved in having a baby. And so an example with my experience that I had shared that nobody really prepared me for the fact that I was going to go through this identity shift, that I was going to have my morals and values heightened during that time and so when your morals and values get heightened it causes a shift in your sense of identity as well Mm. and then when you've got the responsibility of a newborn baby on top of this and you are completely responsible for keeping them safe and alive Mm -hmm. and they are solely dependent on you that whole bundle can be really really overwhelming and I don't think we do a great job as a society preparing women for that. Yeah. So when you say like morals and values are heightened, what do you, what do you mean by that? Once you take on the responsibility of wanting to become a parent, you start to see the world a little bit differently. You start to see yourself a little bit differently because you begin to take things serious. Like, okay. I need to get my act together. I'm going to be responsible for raising another human being, and I want to do a really good job at it. Mm. And so you start to do this self-reflection of, like, what kind of a person am I? Mm -hmm. And so you pull in, you kind of rein in your morals and values, and you use that as a foundation Mm -hmm. to help you kind of figure all that stuff out. And so your morals and values become heightened during that time because of the fact that you want to do this job really, really well. And so you bring in your morals and values as a guiding system for you to be able to do that. Yeah. Which can 
can that be breeding ground for things like anxiety and OCD and depression to kind of swoop in and make some noise? Yeah, we tend to see a lot of perfectionism. Like women come into this with perfectionism that I got to do this good. I got to do it right. Everybody else has to think that I'm doing it good. Social media tells us that we have to be really good at at motherhood. And so there just feels like a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. um, with getting it right. And so being able to start thinking through like, okay, how do I do it right? Um, what is important to me? What do I want to instill in this child? What did my parents instill in me? And that in and of itself can be a traumatic experience mm. if your own upbringing wasn't necessarily meeting yeah. your, your needs as you were growing up. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there a certain point in pregnancy, maybe after giving birth, where where moms tend to start really experiencing things like postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD? With the various different disorders, we can see that arise in different places. Okay. So with postpartum psychosis, we tend to see within the first 24 to 48 hours, they're going to have a psychotic episode that's emergent. They need to be hospitalized. They need to be stabilized with medications. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of the top tier of this set of disorders. And that's, you're talking right after birth, right? Yes, right birth. after birth. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, oftentimes with psychosis, we tend to see bipolar episodes happening during pregnancy or prior to pregnancy. Um, so that can be kind of that blueprint for us to let us know mm-hmm. that somebody who has bipolar might have a little bit more of a challenging time postpartum. And so we work with them during their pregnancy and make sure the bipolar stays um, under control. And then we can work with them on helping that postpartum period be a supportive experience versus something that they feel like they're kind of doing on their own. Um, postpartum depression and anxiety, we tend to see that like the prevalence of it tends to peak around like eight to 12 weeks postpartum. But we've also seen where moms have come to us with a two-year-old mm. and have said, like, this can't be postpartum, like, my toddler is two. Mm-hmm. But when we sit down with them and we do a good, thorough assessment and look at their history, we start to discover that you were actually struggling, but you were struggling through it on your own. Mm. And it wasn't until this point that you finally felt like, I just can't do this on my own anymore. Yeah. When we say the perinatal period, we mean um, from pregnancy to a year postpartum. Okay. So anywhere during that one year and nine months, we can see something kind of going awry for them. Yeah. In that moment and and intervening as, as quick as we possibly can. Yeah. I think a lot of times there's also an experience called the baby blues, which can happen for about 80 to 90% of new moms where for the first two weeks, they're just really adjusting Mm -hmm. and trying to make sense of what motherhood is. But then after about two weeks, their mood starts to improve. They start to feel a little bit more confident in their ability as a mom. And so the depression or the anxiety will dissipate. And we see that a lot of women get really confused that after that two weeks, if it hasn't dissipated, they still have the sense of belief that well, this is just an adjustment period Mm -hmm. and I'm going to get better. I just need to wait it out. And so then they keep suffering 
on their own without getting help until they kind of come to a point where they're just like, I can't do this on my own anymore. So I actually reached out to some people on my my social media following to to see if there were any questions that that they maybe have for for you um, in this interview. Yeah. This is kind of a curveball, I know. So it's okay no if you problem. can't answer these questions. <laughs> I forgot to tell you about this ahead of time. <laughs> but um, I, I want to just ask a couple of these kind of on behalf of the people who listen to this podcast. Sure. Um, somebody had asked about um, after giving birth. I assume. Um, having resentment towards their spouse, like yeah. really struggling with that. Um, is there anything that you would want to say about that? Do you see that? Is that common? It's very common. Um, it's also important to stress that society tells us that inviting a baby into your marriage is going to bond you and bring you closer together and make you a family and complete you. Mm-hmm. But the exact opposite happens. It creates a lot of stress. Um, oftentimes, couples put aside their relationship and just become highly focused on tending to the baby. Mm-hmm. And then when they do finally come back to their relationship, they don't really know how to do it or what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So that can be pretty destructive. Um, the resentment piece oftentimes can be that Men and women are designed very differently, and men are black and white thinkers, and they solve problems, Mm -hmm. and they figure things out. And women approach things with a little bit more reserve, and they're very analytical, and so they want to think through something over and over and over. And so when you put those two things together in a situation where things need to be figured out right away, they don't mesh well together. And so you can become really agitated and resentful towards your partner that they're not doing things the way that you're doing it. Or um, women will tend to do more of the reading and research on what does it take to be a parent? How do you take care of a baby? And men will approach it more of like an educational thing of like, well, tell me what you read and show me how to do it. And there can be some resentment there as well that like, well, if I went and read this book, why can't you go and read it too? Why do I have to teach it to you? I have to take care of this baby. Now I also have to take care of you. So that piece where a partner will step into a position of almost being childlike as well and that the mother has to then also manage them or take care of them too and help them understand their role in parenting can lead to a lot of resentment of like you're an adult you need to figure this out I don't have the time for this the baby needs me I have to be there for the baby I can't be there for you Mm. and the other question that that was asked was um, is it normal to be mad about the gender of your baby Yes. I thought that was a really honest and vulnerable question that that person asked. Yeah. um, Absolutely, it can be normal to be upset, hurt about the gender of your baby. Um, There can be a lot of different caveats that go along with that. Mm -hmm. 
If you are a female, you may feel like you want a female because you know that it makes sense to you. Um, if you're a male, you may want a male because you know that that makes sense to you. Um, if there is any sort of, um, family of origin trauma that can affect what you feel safe with being a mother too. Um, and then also to bring up the concepts of gender is now fluid in our society and to be able to, you know, be very rigid in your concepts of what the sex of a baby is going to be can be pretty devastating given all of those complexities. Mm-hmm. Thank you for answering those yeah. and accepting the curveball that I, that I threw your way with. No, those. no problem. I don't um, know if I answer that one all that great. I but. thought that was great. No, I just, <laughs> okay. I, I just think acknowledging that. I just think that's one of those things that you're just, again, quote unquote, supposed to just be happy with whatever yeah. gender your baby is. And that might not be the reality for, for some parents. I know for myself, so I have a, my first was a girl and my second was a boy. Yeah. And after the experience that I went through with my daughter and how protective I was of her, the concept of having another baby was just something I couldn't even wrap my mind around because I didn't want to go through another postpartum experience. But I also couldn't wrap my mind around how am I going to love another child in the same way that I love her because Mm -hmm. the love I had for her felt so intense and so overpowering. So I developed this concept in my head that like, okay, then I need to have the exact opposite of her and I need to have a boy instead of a girl. Mm. And I went down that path and it's just like, this is what I'm doing. I'm having a boy. I'm not having another girl. Mm-hmm. And I convinced myself that I was going to love a boy differently than what I would love a girl, that I would parent him very differently than I would parent her. And it would be a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And that is what took away my anxiety and made me feel more at, at peace. Mm. And, cause, and you have how many kids? Two. You have two. Yeah. And was your, was the second time around um, better for, or I mean, better, that's a very relative word, but like, did you experience the, the level of kind of OCD the second time around? No, I was able to get into therapy with a therapist who was really collaborative with me and working through the concepts of like, let's take a look at the things that didn't go well for you the first time. Mm -hmm. And how could we do those different this time around? And so I was able to really think through what were some of the triggers for me? Yeah beforehand that not feeling competent as a parent that was a huge trigger for me the first time around so I really wanted to do a deep dive into how can I feel really competent this time around Um, another trigger for me was not feeling prepared and so the second time around I did a deep dive into preparing for labor and delivery and trying to have a really much better understanding of what a woman goes through during labor and delivery and what that process is like. Even something simple as I don't want people visiting me in the hospital Mm -hmm. after I have this baby. That was a huge trigger for me Mm -hmm. after having my first. And so my second, I didn't want anyone there. For moms out there who um, might be struggling going through some of these things that we've talked about, um, 
what do you want them to know about getting help? How do they, how do they step into that process? What kind of help should they be looking for? Um, what would you want them to hear? We have so many wonderful resources available for moms now, and I think the community still is not completely aware of all those resources. Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota has a peer support program um, where you can call their helpline and talk to another mom who has suffered through a perinatal mental health experience and they can kind of walk you through and prepare you for it. You know, this is what you can expect in therapy. This is what you can expect um, treatment-wise. And so being able to just reach out to another mom who's maybe been through this experience can be a really wonderful Mm. way to start that journey for yourself. Talking to your pediatrician, talking to your OB, talking to a family member, just start talking to people and start being vulnerable and honest about what you're going through. You don't have to give details, but you it's okay to have a voice and to speak up and say, I'm not doing okay. Yeah. And that can be the catalyst for getting you help. But there are definitely resources available. There are many, many programs out there that are treating perinatal mental health there are lots of different moms groups that you can get involved with. There's now resources for dads too yeah. and for same-sex partners, for adoptive parents because adoptive parents can also go through postpartum depression and anxiety as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and that's a whole other podcast yes. episode right there. I yeah. hadn't even thought about that. Reflecting back on on kind of what you've you've been through, you know, your your own experience with this, now doing this work day in and, and day out. Um, what have you learned about your about yourself? That I am much more resilient than I ever thought that I was. I think those of us who go through this experience, really the empowerment piece that you come out of it with is reflecting back and saying, wow, mm-hmm. I can't believe that I went through that and I came out of it a much better person. Yeah. And I, I do feel like I don't know that I would be as good of a mom as what I feel like I am today had I not gone through that experience. So I do have gratitude for it, as devastating as it was. Um, I do have some gratitude now that I'm in recovery and I feel really empowered over it that I did a good job. Mm. And what do you what do you enjoy most about being a mom? watching them develop morals and values because I think that was the beginning of all of this is like how do you teach somebody else how to have good morals and values and so now as a mom to be able to step back and watch your kids have amazing morals and values and that they want to change the world too Mm -hmm. makes you just feel like oh okay this was all worth it I did a good job. Not to say that they're not going to have struggles and that they're not going to have their own challenges, but despite behaviors or any challenging thing that life brings to them, the fact that they come out of it being good people is the best. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for for sharing your story um, and and everything that we talked about here today. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. 
big thank you again to Lisa for joining us here on this episode. Such important information, such important vulnerability to be so open about what she's gone through and, and help, I know, some of you out there feel a little bit less alone, potentially, if you're going through something similar. And so just a, a couple of quick little things to mention. She, she talked about in this episode the organization Pregnancy and Postpartum Support Minnesota. Uh, I'm going to link to that website in the show notes of this episode. And also um, want to let you know that Prairie Care, which is where Lisa works, um, they have a perinatal clinic that does work around supporting moms and new moms and, and, and women who need support around their mental health, around the, the birth of a child. And so I'm going to also link to their website as well. They have some beautiful resources for you to explore if you are in need. So thank you for being here, my friends. I hope that you found this useful and helpful. As always, Take what serves you from this conversation and go ahead and leave the rest. And we will talk to you soon. Okay? Be gentle out there.